It's wonderful to be here with you today, worshiping God together. Thank you, uh, Praise Team and Vern, for the songs that were selected. Uh, I think you can all feel the woolly theme going on this morning. Does anyone here have wool jackets that they can wear for the cold weather? We're beginning uh, a series this morning, a a mini-series that I've entitled The Good Shepherd and the Sheep. And through the course of this series, we are going to focus on the 23rd Psalm as our primary text, but we are going to draw from many other texts as well that fit into the same theme. Of course, the Shepherd's Psalm has for over 3,000 years been one of the most well-known and beloved passages in all of Scripture. Even people outside of the church walls know this passage. And the majority of those within the church have memorized this passage at some time in their life or another. And perhaps like Matt, feel like maybe I could recite it from memory, but aren't quite sure if you could get it. But with a little bit of brushing up, I'm sure most of you would be able to recite it from memory. And so if you haven't memorized it before, or if you've done it a long time ago in the past, one of the things I want to do through the course of this series is I really want to ingrain this wonderful passage into our minds, into our hearts. So we're going to recite this 23rd Psalm together each week in this series. Um, Ray is going to put it up on the wall behind us, so we're all reciting uh, together from the same uh, the same translation. I've chosen the New King James Version for the simple reason that most of us, uh, probably my agent up who memorized this, did it in the King James Version. The New King James Version is almost identical. They've just updated a couple of the words. So I want you to stand with me and we are going to recite the 23rd Psalm together. You can read it off the wall. No one's, there's no test yet. But let's read this together and really embrace this wonderful, this wonderful passage for ourselves. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, over the course of this, I'm also issuing a challenge specifically to the youth of the congregation, anyone age 18 and under. The challenge is this, that at the end of this series, in four weeks' time, I'm going to give the invitation that anyone who is, who is willing and able to come up front onto the stage and recite the 23rd Psalm from memory in front of the congregation. The prize will be you will receive a new Bible and it will be tailored to your, uh, to your interest. There are going to be some options. So any youth age 18 and under, polish up on the 23rd Psalm and if you come up to the front, recite it in front of the congregation, you can receive a new Bible for yourself. All right. So there's the challenge and uh, you've got some time to work on it. All right. I'm going to ask you now to bow with me and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are the Good Shepherd. Lord, we've heard this theme, it's so familiar to 
to us, and yet there is still more we have yet to understand and to learn. And so I pray, God, that as we enter this passage, as we consider who you are, how you've revealed yourself as the shepherd, and we the sheep, I pray, Lord, that you would open our minds, our hearts, our souls to understanding and to further obedience as we follow you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the 23rd Psalm isn't the only place the shepherd and the sheep theme is used in Scripture. In fact, the Bible is, li- is literally filled to the brim with references and metaphors. The reason for this is quite simple. Israel was founded with Abraham as a nation of nomadic shepherds. Abraham himself was a nomadic shepherd. He and Lot, his nephew, one of their first arguments and their parting of ways was over good pastures for their sheep to graze upon. So we see from the earliest days of Israel right up until this very day, sheep and and shepherding is a central theme of Israel. And in fact, sheep still dot Israel's hillsides to this very day. Just the other day, I was looking back through my pictures of our trip to Israel, and I sort of noticed just how many pictures I'd taken over the course of our trip of shepherds and sheep. And I want to show a couple of them to you this morning so you can sort of visualize what shepherding and sheep look like in Israel today. The first, the first picture is just one that I snapped of many which are of uh, many coming from a tour bus window. So it's a little bit blurry as you can see we're moving along the highway But what you can see there on the hillside was a very typical scene. Um, when When you visualize the 23rd Psalm, you think of green pastures. Well, those are some green pastures. Those are lush. For Israel, that's about as green as it gets. This was... An exceptionally green time of year, our guide said. Um, Most years it wasn't as lush as it was this year. So when the psalmist is talking about green pastures, this is about as good as it gets. The next slide you'll see that sheep aren't the only animals that dot the Judean hillside. Here's another picture I took from the bus of uh, uh, a herd of goats. And they're going up the ravine and you can see them there. And I always get a kick out of goats. Of course, you know that... We had goats on the family farm growing up. And so we see here that there's these two, these two animals, the sheep and the goats. And often uh, they'll be in the same vicinity, but they're still very different from one another. And you will see these things, uh, these sort of sights all over Israel. Now this next picture is the one that has to be my favorite of all of the pictures that I took. This is a shepherd at the Nazareth village in the the town, the city of Nazareth right now. It's a center that's set up where they have recreated what the Nazareth of Jesus' day would have looked like. And so they have people going around in period costume. The clothing that he's wearing is actually homespun. It's made out of wool. Everything is as, as authentic as it can possibly be. And so this shepherd accurately represents what the shepherds of biblical times look like. He is dressed simply with full-length robes to protect him from the dual elements of the searing heat during the day and the chilling cold at night. The head wrap, you can see it's long in order to quickly be able to use it to cover his face and his eyes from the stinging sandstorms that can gust up with little or no warning. You can also see that this particular shepherd is quite old. His face is lined and weathered from years spent outdoors. And if I was a better photographer, you would also see that in his left hand is his only piece of equipment, which is 
kind of cut off. Uh, but if I was a better photographer, you would see that he's holding a shepherd's staff. This is their principal piece of equipment. So here you can visualize what a shepherd of Jesus' day looked like. But what's interesting is that a lot of the traditional shepherds you'll see in the hillsides, even today, will wear similar clothing. Now, the next picture is a picture that accurately represents what most of Judea looked like. I said before about the green pastures and how lush they were. This, however, is the reality. It is mostly barren rocks and a few tufts of grass. If you were able to look closer at the picture, you can see there's small little green tufts of grass within there. Uh, The picture also doesn't do justice to just how steep that hillside is. That path is carved right on the side of, literally, it's as close to a cliff as you can get without it being a cliff. The picture just doesn't do it justice. And one of the things you'll notice on this rugged train and landscape is that these, these trails are narrow. A misstep and a sheep can easily go tumbling down. You'll also notice that the shepherd is in front of the sheep. He is leading them. He's not herding them from behind. He's in front, and they are following And we're going to be getting into a little bit more of that later on. This leads us into our main point right out of the gate. The main point being this, as we consider the first line of the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. We need to make certain that we are following the right shepherd. As author and former shepherd himself, Philip Keller, points out, The tone of the opening line of David's Psalm 23 is one of bragging. The Lord is my shepherd. As a friend once pointed out to me, it's like two sheep from different flocks meet up for a visit at the watering hole. And the one sheep is thin and scruffy from lack of good grazing and and care. But the other is robust and healthy He's, he's fat with a full belly. He's got thick wool, carefully groomed and maintained because his shepherd has taken such good care of him. He's only led him to the best pastures to graze. He's taken the extra time to make sure that he is healthy and strong. And so the healthy sheep brags to the skinny sheep and he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And the other scruffy Little sheep, you can just imagine him thinking to himself, man, I wish your shepherd was my shepherd. And you can just take note of how personal this declaration is. He doesn't say, the Lord is our shepherd, which would be true. No, he doesn't say, the Lord is the shepherd of the world, which would also be true. He makes it personal. The Lord is my shepherd. How could this sheep not help but brag about him? In John chapter 10, I want you to listen to how Jesus identified himself. In John chapter 10 and verse 9, listen to what Jesus said. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. But the thief, that is the one masquerading as the shepherd, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Then verse 10. The thief comes only to to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. 
Now make no mistake about it. The Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the shepherd that is superior to all other shepherds. He is the one who is worth following. He willingly gives of himself completely for the good of his sheep. That is a shepherd worth following. But it begs the question, why isn't everyone following the good shepherd? Why? If he's so good... If he, is, if he is the best, he leads us to the best pastures, the still waters, the paths of righteousness, the, the fullness of life. If he is the good shepherd, why aren't more sheep following him? The answer is because there are other shepherds to choose from. If we consider the Lord being the good shepherd, then that also implicates that there are not so good shepherds perhaps even bad shepherds. Now, as we consider what sort of shepherds are out there in the world today, I'm sure some can come to mind. Some people have chosen to follow mere men, leaders of some striper type, whether politicians or leaders of some social status, perhaps in their workplace, in their circle of friends, someone who they admire. They're following this individual. Others have chosen a different flock to be a part of. They have chosen a religion, a way that does not include the Good Shepherd, the Lord Jesus. They have joined a flock with another leader, whether Mohammed or Buddha or some other belief structure. There's a flock. There may be good things happening there, some better than others. But the thing that is missing is the Good Shepherd. And whatever flock they belong to, whether they mean well enough or not, when push comes to shove, the shepherds other than the good shepherd, they are not shepherding for the good of the sheep. That's not why they're in it. They're not in it because they care deeply for the sheep. They're in it for themselves. And listen to how Jesus describes other shepherds in verses 12 to 13. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You see, here, anyone else other than the Lord Jesus cannot be the true shepherd because they have not created the sheep. He is the maker. He is the one who has given himself entirely for the good of the sheep. Anyone else who would be a leader, who would lead the sheep and say, be a part of my flock, Jesus says when it comes down to it, they're in it for themselves. They will not lay down their lives for the sheep. When the wolves come, when the thieves come, they will run. Now here's the rub. We are the sheep, right? Each and every one of us in this metaphor, we are the sheep, you and I. And like sheep, we're not very bright most of the time, are we? Has anyone here ever worked with sheep? (laughs) Goats, anyone? Are they very bright animals? I'm sorry, I don't find them to be particularly bright. Goats, especially. Uh, And like them, we're not very bright either. We have little to no ability to defend ourselves when attacked. We don't know what the safe paths are or where the good pasture is. We constantly like to wander off, we complain, we make a lot of noise, and some of us don't smell so great either. Not pointing at anyone in particular. (laughs) 
But to top all of this off, we the sheep, we the sheep don't know the way home. And even if we did, there is only one gate, one way into God's fold, one good shepherd, and his name is Jesus. So as sheep, we need to be sure that we are in the right flock, following the right shepherd who will lead us down the right path. Now, there are many people whose eyes are fixed on heaven, and they believe that they will get there into that heavenly fold while following a different shepherd. That is to say, following anyone or anything or any path other than Jesus. Some believe that the path of goodness will get them there. It's the familiar line, I'm a good person. I've done more good things than bad in my life. I'm sure that God will let me into heaven. As we consider this from a human standpoint, sure, this this makes sense. I'm better than so-and-so, I'm pretty sure. I'm a good person. That should be good enough. Perhaps from a human standpoint, that makes sense. But what about from God's viewpoint? Does God look at us and say, okay, you've done this much good and that much bad? That's not how he's going to measure things, is it? He's going to measure things by his perfect standard, which is you have to be sinless, perfect, in order to enter heaven by your own merit, by your own goodness. And so when you get to that gate and say, I'm a good person, let me in, he's going to say, have you ever sinned in your life? Have you ever told one lie, had one impure thought? Have you ever gossiped? Have you ever stole? Have you ever lied? Only if you can honestly answer in the negative to all of those questions, and you are the one person other than Jesus Christ who lived a sinless, perfect life, you're not getting in. And guess what? The Bible says all have sinned. Even one sin, the gate is barred. Goodness is not going to get us in. The path of goodness, the way is blocked. Other people believe that all religions eventually will lead to God. It's like this path going up a circular hill. God's at the top and it doesn't matter which particular religion you choose. To these people, they think that sincerity is all that matters. It's what will get them in. Well, this again, from a human thinking, has a certain degree of wisdom to it. Sure, sincerity, devotion, this is what matters. But have you ever considered that you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong? It happens. It happens a lot. People believe something with utter devotion and sincerity, but in the end, it's still wrong. You have to have the right path. I could give you countless examples, but we'll keep moving. Other people, other people think that we just get into heaven by default. God is a God of love, therefore the way is open, therefore all people get in. Some choose to remain willfully ignorant about heaven or the afterlife. They adopt the attitude, I guess I'll find out what happens after I die when I get there. I guess that's an attitude that you could adopt, you could take that. The only problem is once you get there, you can't do anything about it. To wait till the other side is to wait too long. And then finally, there are others who refuse to believe that there is any eternal destination at all, that this life is all that there is. Regardless of which path people choose or which shepherd they follow, the reality of life is that everyone is headed somewhere. And sooner or later, they're going to get there. So in order to get to where you want to go, you'd better know where you're going and how to get there. Anyone follow that? 
It was a June day of 2014. It was a Friday. And I was planning to head out to attend Samantha Croker's high school graduation ceremony. And unfortunately, she wasn't able to be here this morning. She wanted to hear this story. So I was headed out for Sam's grad ceremony. Her, her family's farm is near Belmont. So she attended school out that way, not here in Killarney. So I had to travel out there to attend her graduation. I believe that the ceremony was to begin at about 5 p.m. And I remember that I was cramming that Friday afternoon to finish my sermon before heading out. Of course, as things tend to do, finishing up took a little bit longer than I anticipated, so I was running behind schedule as I finally dashed out of the office into my car with just under a half hour to get there. Needless to say, after stretching the limits of the speed limit a wee bit, perhaps abusing grace a wee bit, I arrived in Belmont with three minutes to spare. But as I pulled into Belmont from the west approach, it struck me that I didn't know where the school was, and I'd never bothered to ask. I had just thought, how hard could it be? This is the booming metropolis of Belmont, after all. I figured I'd just drive up and down one of the four streets, and sure enough, I'd find it no problem. Well, it turned out to be a little bit more tricky than I anticipated. Turns out Belmont has five streets. So after zigzagging around a little bit, I finally decided that I was not going to be the typical man. And I spotted a teenager on the side of the street, and I decided to stop and ask for directions. Ha! Ladies, don't be too impressed. Leanne wasn't in the car. That's why I could do this. (laughs) So I stop. I ask this youth for directions to the school. He kind of shot me this really funny look. I figured it was probably just because he wasn't seeing, used to seeing out-of-towners in Belmont, you know, so I just chalked it up to that. He then politely gave me directions towards the school, and I headed off. It was just a couple of blocks over. I'd missed the turn. I headed off towards the school. Now, here I need to pause the story for just a moment to tell you that during the course of years that Sam had attended our church's youth group, in different times and ways, she had shared how her her school setting, her friend circle was just really tough. There were so many challenges and difficulties, especially as she was the only Christian in her entire grade and one of two Christians in her entire school. It was just a rough environment. And so with this information tucked in the back of my mind, as I drove towards the end of the street and finally found the school, I came to the end of the street, the trees cleared, And I saw the school, my jaw just about hit the floor, and I thought to myself, it all makes sense. She wasn't exaggerating what she said about her school being tough. Because what lay before me was straight out of a horror movie. I mean, the school's windows were smashed, missing, boarded up. The the garbage was strewn about. Junk was piled up against the walls. The entire schoolyard was filled with sharp metal objects and overgrown with weeds. By all appearances, the school's motto should have been, Welcome to Belmont High. If your kids can survive this, they can survive anything. So as I'm sitting there taking all of this in, trying to process exactly what's going on and where's the graduation ceremony... Finally, finally, it hits me. What you've already anticipated, it finally hits me. Belmont School has been closed for years. 
Sam goes to school in Glenboro. Ah, light bulb right there. And as that light bulb finally turns on, I began to laugh. And I laughed and I kept on laughing all the way up the road to Glenboro where I finally, finally arrived. A little bit late, but I arrived at the correct destination. Well, I'm not afraid to admit this morning that I'm a sheep. (laughs) And like I said, sometimes sheep aren't very bright. Even the smallest mistakes miscalculations and misunderstandings can keep us from arriving at the right destination. I was 100% convinced I knew where I was going and how to get there. And yet in the end, I was wrong. I was dead wrong. In my humble estimation, heaven is not a destination that we want to take chances about with whether or not we know the way. The scripture makes it clear that the only path to heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. The only way is by being a sheep in his flock. And as Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. This, of course, is the beginning of the journey. Putting faith in Jesus, which means believing that he is who he claimed to be, the Son of God. Believing that he paid the price for your sin by dying on the cross in your place. Believing that his rising from the dead means that in him you will one day be raised from the dead And it's saying, Jesus, you're my shepherd. I am going to follow you this day until my last day. I am going to follow you. I'm going to follow your example. I'm going to follow your teaching. I'm going to follow you down whatever pathway you lead me. Because I know that all your ways are for my ultimate good. And that in the end, only you can lead me home. Now, I know for the majority of you listening today, this is pretty basic stuff. But though it is basic, it is essential. For if you gain Jesus alone, you get everything else thrown in. But if you get everything else but miss Jesus, in the end, you lose everything. So allow me to humbly speak to those of you here today who call yourselves a follower of Christ. There is a cunning form of deception that the enemy of our souls, that is the devil, there is a cunning form of deception that he has used countless times against many, many people with great success. The deception is this. He tricks people into believing that they are following the good shepherd when in fact they are not. Many people, many people are in the proximity of the good shepherd Perhaps they attend church. Perhaps they even believe in Jesus in principle. And so they believe that they're one of his sheep. The only problem is they have never made it personal. They have never actually heard Jesus' call to follow him in obedience. Is it alright if I ask you a very personal question today? 
My question is this. Can you with 100% confidence say, the Lord is my shepherd? Mine. Can you make it personal without a shadow of a doubt? Take out any ifs, maybes, I think so's, or I hope so's. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord is your shepherd? Because if you have even the smallest speck of uncertainty, by the grace of God, you can leave here today with that doubt erased and the assurance and confidence in your heart that you belong to him. You see, Jesus, the good shepherd, he knows his sheep by name. He addresses them by name. He makes it personal. Listen to what he says. He says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. He says, my sheep know my voice and they listen. I call them by name and I lead them out to green pastures. You see, the good shepherd, Jesus, he knows your name. Let me just say to you today, whether you're here today, whether you're listening on the internet, if you're not part of his flock, he is calling you today by name Join me. Follow me. I love you deeply. I am not like one of those other shepherds who will cut and run. I'm not in it for my own gain. I am in it completely for you. I have shown it. I have laid down my life for you. I have held nothing back. Will you follow me? He's demonstrated that love. He's demonstrated that love in the most profound way possible. He bought you at the terrible cost of his own life. And now he calls you by name personally, individually. Not the crowd, not the person sitting next to you, but you sitting right where you are, inviting you. Join my flock, follow me, and I will lead you in the paths of righteousness. I will show you things in life that you could find with no other shepherd. And I know the way home. And so I pray that if you are not certain, you can be certain. Follow Jesus. Make that decision today. And if you have made that decision, if you are one of his sheep, he is calling you right now to keep following. Keep following me. Don't get distracted by other shepherds who are doing their thing, saying, hey, come over here. Don't get distracted by things that look appealing. There are dangers lurking there that you know not of. But I, the good shepherd, I know what is best for you, my sheep. Trust me. Don't wander away. Don't stop following. And Jesus is saying to you, stay by my side. I love you. I know the way. Trust me. Follow me and I will lead you home. My friends, the shepherd is good. The shepherd is mine. I pray he is yours as well. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today that you are the good shepherd. We thank you that through what you have done for us, we can have complete assurance that we belong to you, that you are my shepherd. And I just pray for anyone here today, Lord, who is listening. I just pray, Lord, if there is any speck of uncertainty, if there is any doubt in their minds as to who they belong to, who their shepherd is, I pray that right now you would, by your Holy Spirit, speak to their heart. 
May they hear you whispering, calling their name, saying, I love you, my child. I love you. Trust me. Trust that what I've done for you is enough. Trust me. Believe in me. Follow me. And I will lead you. I will show you the path you are to take, and I will lead you safely home. Lord, I pray for the young people of this congregation. I pray for those who have yet to make this decision, that they would come to that place of personally taking that step to say, Jesus is my shepherd. I will follow him today and every day of my life until you lead us home. In Jesus' name, amen.